0: Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you here, and uh, for those of you who are joining us online, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to log on and watch. I did want to give you all a heads up, I I think this is okay for this plug, but next weekend is we'll be celebrating Landry, Joe, and Marshall's birthdays, Landry, Joe, Marshall will turn one and Landry, Joe will turn three, and uh, my, our families are coming in, so next Sunday my dad will be leading singing while I'll be preaching, and so that'll be fun for me, because I always grew up where we'd you know, do that, where I'd lead singing and he'd preach, or things like that. So it'll be really fun for me. So anyway, I want to make that, I think it's called a shameless plug, is that what that's called? There's a shameless plug that uh, t- next week my dad will be be here. So I want y'all to think, speaking of dads, or, or maybe if you want to reflect more on a, your husband maybe, but if, if you think about your husband, no turning and, and making eye contact. Okay, but. Uh, I want you to think of, if you, of your dad or maybe your husband and think about memories of them trying to fix a broken dishwasher or fix the car or trying to fix those things. And I want you to think to yourself, was my dad someone that was like, man, he could fix anything or was it like my dad could fix nothing? You know, I, I, I know all of us are in different places, but uh, for me, I grew up where I would say my dad was pretty handy at fixing stuff if we got into really advanced levels of things like if the alternator on the car broke he's not trying but if the if maybe you know the, the brakes are you know i can i can get under there and change the brakes but some of you in here are people where you're like oh alternator i got that you know some of i think doug's like that doug's like i can i can fix most anything on the car um some of you if like my dad if, if we were doing a project and maybe we were setting up a sprinkler system my dad could do that my dad I remember for the local uh, Belton Christian Youth Center he volunteered a whole summer to do the entire sprinkler system for them for their soccer fields and stuff as a, a service and I was impressed you know my dad's out there doing that's that's pretty tough stuff you know but I think if my dad had to probably do something where he maybe did like set up a septic tank and like the plumbing from inside the house like that might be something that he might have a hard time but I want y'all to think about that for yourself but I think all of us um, whether you've been a person who's tried to fix a project or I just recently tried a project and it took me about two or three times of taking it all out starting all over you come to a point where you maybe say either like say with a car you think that's it We gotta, this car, we gotta sell it. We gotta get a new car. It's over. I'm not trying to fix this anymore. Or you get to the point where you think, instead of that, you might think, that's it. I'm gonna take it to the professional. I mean, I, I know I can probably picture sometimes Uh, Maybe I'm not remembering this right, but I bet you there's some times where my dad's coming in frustrated and my mom's like, Alan, you know, maybe we could just take it to the car repair person, you know, maybe. No, 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 I can do it. But There comes that point. Okay. you, You hear what I'm saying? So you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with Proverbs? I will come back to it later. Okay? But today we are continuing our series called The Good Life and we're still in the book of Proverbs. We have two more lessons on Proverbs before we get to Ecclesiastes and Job. And we are continuing this series where if you haven't picked up, it, picked up on it at this point, you may not pick up on it over the course of the whole series, but I'm going to try and keep hammering this in. We often think of wisdom as what? We think of wisdom as how smart you are, how big your brain is how fast you can memorize stuff, how quickly you can do math calculations. That's what our world says wisdom is. That is not what the Bible says wisdom is. That is crucial to this series, is for us to admit that every time we read the word wise or wisdom in the Bible, it is about whether or not you prioritize God. That is wisdom. And I'm going to take it a step further. Another point I've been trying to make throughout this series is, no matter what we associate with the good life, A true good life is someone who walks wisely with God. That is a good life. And so you've got to take this phrase and this word wisdom and good life and make them kind of synonymous. When you hear someone say, I'm just trying to live a good life, the Bible would say they are trying to find wisdom. If someone says, I'm just trying to gain wisdom and insight, the Bible would say what they're saying is, I'm just trying to find that good life. Okay, You you hear what I'm saying? This has been crucial to the series, and it's going to be crucial to our sermon today. I would argue that this maybe is one of the most neglected or misunderstood uh, chapters in the book of Proverbs. And I also wouldn't be surprised if this chapter in the book of Proverbs that we're going to look at is one that's going to maybe, for a lot of you, really open up. Uh, the crucial points of this series. And so let's turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Proverbs 30. And we are going to be reading the words of Agur. Anybody ever done your BBS and you had somebody dress up as Agur? No, this is not a very uh, common person, uh, common name. Uh, but you know, if Catherine and I have more kids, Agur sounds pretty good. Agur Richie. Um, okay, Proverbs 30... Starting in verse 1, this is something that Solomon put into Proverbs, but he didn't write this. These are the words of a man named Agur, son of Jaka, depending on your translation. An oracle. So this phrase oracle, I know it sounds all fancy, but it's basically like a message from a message that they believe they, they heard divinely. Thus says the man: I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God. How can I prevail? surely i am too stupid to be human this person is doing something that's the opposite of what wisdom sayings would do normally if you were trying to proclaim something really wise the first thing you would do would be establish your credentials of how smart you are and yet this guy does the opposite he's speaking this divine word of wisdom and his first thing he says is i'm an idiot i am too stupid to be a human i do not have human understanding i have not learned wisdom nor have I knowledge of the Holy Ones. Some of your translation will say, knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in the hollow of, his, of the hand? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is the person's name? And what is the name of the person's child? Surely you know. By the way, this phrase, surely you know, is kind of rhetorical. If I asked you and we were sitting in class and I said, who is it that just ascended to heaven and came down? Who would, who would we say? We'd say, Jesus, God. Who is it that can gather the wind in the palm of their hand? God. Who is it that uh, wrapped the waters is so great that they can wrap the waters around them like a garment god all of these he's saying is kind of like what we'll read when we get to job he's asking these rhetorical questions just like job did who is it that can comprehend all this and the answer that he's come to is surely we know the answer is the holy one and he says every word of god proves true he is a shield to those who take refuge in him do not add to his words, or else he will rebuke you, and you will be found a liar. Two things I ask of you. This is the only prayer in Proverbs, the only time someone says something of a prayer request to God. Two things I ask of you. Do not deny them to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Take away, just. I just want it to be gone. Both my lying and just the falsehood of people around me. Give me... Now this this is really good. And this is, by the way, I could have done a lesson. You know how the last two weeks I've done lessons on the theme of, of your words and the theme of friendship? Well, I could have done another one on the theme of wealth in the Proverbs. But really, this right here summarizes the theme of wealth, just all together. If you want to ask, well, what does the Proverbs say about money and about wealth? Here it is, in my opinion, summarized. He says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that I need. Your NIV translation will say, Feed me my daily bread. Does that sound familiar? Or I shall be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I shall be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. He's saying, Don't give me too little because then I might be in a place where I start to curse God. But God, please give me just what I need for each day, my daily bread, something that Jesus prayed. Because if I have too much, then I will get to the point where I don't know who God is. And I think, well, I don't know if I really need God. I've got all this. I've got, I've got more than enough. Do I really even need God? So just a little side lesson for you there. If you want to know, what is the Bible? What is true wisdom? What does the Proverbs say about my money and my wealth? If you're ever at the place where you have so much wealth and poverty that you find yourself that you don't really need God because you're secure in your finances, you are not living the good life. If you ever find yourself where you are in so much poverty that you are just constantly thinking, this is God's fault, this is God's fault, this is God's fault, that's probably not a healthy place you should be in either. But finding that place where you can say, God, today I woke up and I had everything I needed. I'm more than taken care of. I'll make a quick note and then I'll move on. Whenever uh, Whenever we take a group, when I was a youth minister, we'd take a group on a mission trip to this place called Camp of the Hills and we would feed breakfast, lunch, and dinner to the campers and the staff. And most of these campers came from really rough home backgrounds. Not all, but many of them came from a place where uh, they didn't know if they were gonna get food that day. And I remember we would always pick spaghetti to be the first meal of camp because spaghetti just like fills you up. And these kids, I'm telling you, would just eat more spaghetti than you could imagine. And I mean, they're, most of them are kindergartners age. These just tons of spaghetti. And there would be times where we would prepare our food. It was, about, it was about 180 people total. And we'd cook all the food and we'd finish serving dinner and there wasn't enough for us to have dinner and our kids you could tell were like what am i going to eat tonight and the parents especially especially my moms would be like what are we going to do our kids aren't going to eat and i'd always say you know what this will be a really good lesson for them because this is going to be one of those moments where they for the first time realize what is it like to not necessarily know if we're going to get to eat but they're still going to have their daily provision they're going to go to bed maybe a little hungrier they're going to go to bed not quite as happy but you know what Did they have what they needed that day? It's a good lesson. Okay. So here are uh, the the main, I'm going to come back to the main summary of this. If you read this and you were kind of like, what on earth is he talking about? I think that's a fair place to be. Let me try and make it less confusing for you. The fact of the matter, if you look at the very beginning of Proverbs 30, and he says, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God. How can I prevail? And then he says, surely I am too stupid to be human. I do not have human understanding. Part of what he's doing here is he is, feeling completely and totally helpless in his quest for wisdom. He's saying, God, I'm weary. I'm tired of trying to figure out the good life. I'm tired of trying to find wisdom. And the conclusion that I've come to is that I'm just an idiot. I just can't find that good life, that wisdom. Um, Many of you maybe in class or in school have heard of a thing called the Enlightenment period in the 17th and 18th century. If you didn't, I'm sorry to be too nerdy, but the Enlightenment period was a time that began in Europe, and basically the idea for these European scholars and philosophers, the basic idea was that if humans really worked hard to use true reason and understanding, that they would be able to find absolute truth, that they would be able to, with their work and their effort and all of them agreeing, we can find truth. Two centuries later, it's obviously a, a complete and total fraud. You know, a, a, The idea that we as people can use our reasoning and understanding to come to some place of truth has been completely debunked. And it's left a lot of people with, well, you know, I think this is what truth is. And this person's saying, well, I think this is what truth is. Well, let me use reason. Well, I'm using reasoning too. And, and we can't come to this place of absolute truth. If anything, Nowadays people would say there is only one absolute truth which is that there is no absolute truth that we can't come to any agreement on this. This is in my opinion the place that this Agur guy is at. He's just like, "Man, I feel so helpless. I'm trying to find wisdom and and I just no matter what I do, I can't seem to find it." And this very hopeless helpless feeling. And yet it is in verse where is it? It is in verse 3 that we start to see his resolution to this answer. He says, I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. But who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind? And he's starting to ask these questions, but who is it? And he says, he comes to this place where he says, surely you know. And I I believe this is the mental picture we're supposed to come to, is that he has come to a place where he realizes, I'm never going to find wisdom. But through God, I will be able to find wisdom in this good life. And so the, the thing that I want to say that I believe is, I believe this is in the book of Proverbs because Agur is a model for us of how we're supposed to read the book. How, how am I supposed to come to this book and say, what does it look like for me to learn wisdom from this book of Proverbs? And the answer is, this guy models it for us, is the first and foremost admit that we're not going to be the reason that we can attain wisdom. That it's not going to be because of our work and our effort that we come to a place of understanding and the good life. So let's, I want to, let's think back to this analogy of the broken car with your dad working on a broken car, okay? Now, yes, many of you are the people where you are capable of fixing the car yourself. So if you're, if you're one of those people, this analogy doesn't apply to you. But for the rest of us, the place where the car actually starts to get fixed is when the person comes to the place of, Okay, I can't do this. I've got to take it to the one who can actually do this. Okay, I'm not capable of fixing this transmission with my degree in business. I've got to go to the person who is the expert. And I think the same can be true with with, uh, all sorts of different things in our life. We spend our lives and our time in my opinion, getting very tired thinking that when we when we want the good life, when we want this wisdom, we're going to be able to find it and work hard enough to get it. You know what? I think I can find this good life if I just do a better job of exercising better. I think I can find this good life if I just get up a little earlier for work. And we spend our lives trying to think that something we can do is going to be able to be the one who can find this wisdom, this good life from God. And yet, the, the point where we are able to say, you know what? I'm not going to be capable of that. That is the beginning of being able to find the good life. Uh, how many? This is probably going to be a lame analogy, but how many of you have ever seen those Chinese finger traps before that you put on your fingers? If you try and pull those off by pulling as hard as you can, it's never going to come off. You can strain and work all you want. But the only point at which you're maybe going to be able to take those off is when you say, that's it, I can't do it. And you give up. And that is the place where you have this realization of, you know what, though? God, the source of wisdom, I can find the good life because I can find the good life in him, not through something that I've done. I believe it is very ironic that in our pursuit to find the good life and wisdom, the first step is to admit our inability to find the good life and to find wisdom. And so the second part of this, of why a gruer is a model, is because... He knows that, the sor- that God is the source of true wisdom. He is the place where God is going to be able to reveal that to us. And so we see that most clearly whenever he says in verse 5, every word of God proves true. What Agur believes wholeheartedly is he says, I can't seem to find wisdom, but you know what? I have access to God's word through scripture to every day be able to access what true wisdom is about. And he goes from being hopeless to, you know what though? I do have access to wisdom because every day I have access to God's word. Every day I have access to God's truth where I'm able to have this wisdom grow and work in my life. Agur shows all of us how to be wise by displaying how his wisdom comes from his refuge in God's word. He moves from a helpless person to a joyful person because God has given him access to wisdom every day through reading His Word. That's, that's part of why we have this part where it says, do not add to His words or else He will rebuke you or you will be found a liar. We cannot find wisdom, we cannot find transcendent wisdom apart from a transcendent Lord. Real wisdom must find its starting point in God's revealing wisdom to us in the fear of the Lord. Part of that fear of the Lord is just an awareness of how small we are and how big God is. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, I am helpless. I'm too dumb to even be called a human. But I have the ability to find wisdom in the good life because I know it comes from you. In Psalm 36, 9, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. In God's light, we are able to find true wisdom. So this is where it comes full circle. In Christ's light, we see light. This is going to be the rest of the sermon. This idea of in, whenever we give up trying to find wisdom for ourselves and instead say, you know what? I'm going to seek to find wisdom and the good life in Christ. That's where we are able to have access to this good life. And so I tried to think of a a few different ways that this comes together in Christ. And the first, the first thing I think of is the Pharisees. Who in the New Testament thought they knew wisdom better than everybody else? The Pharisees. Who had the hardest time seeing that Jesus was true wisdom because they thought they had all the wisdom? The Pharisees. And so literally it was their lack of humility and how little they knew that kept them from finding wisdom. Quite ironic, right? It was because of their stubbornness of well we've got all the answers that they weren't not able to say I have none of the answers but I want to find it in Christ. There's one example. Another example is uh, and I hadn't quite put this scripture with it until Ray Sorrells said it during communion, but it's always the humble people who are able to find Christ whenever they are at a place where they say that's it, I'm tired, I give up. As he said in his communion, come to me all who are weary And let my yoke rest upon you. Doesn't guru sound like a guy who's weary? Thus says the man, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God. How can I prevail? It's from that place of, that's it. I can't keep trying anymore. That Jesus is able to say, well, thank goodness you've given up on trying to find it yourself. Because once you come to me, you'll be able to find it. So I picked two stories. I'm not going to read the whole story. Well, I guess a story and a part of one of Paul's letters that I think illustrates this uh, really well. We have the story of the bleeding woman from Luke 7, um, and we're going to read two of the sections from it. And in this story, one of the things that I think of, that I, I think relates to us so much with this, is just like a gore in the story, this woman comes to Jesus and basically... She's done everything she can to try and solve this herself. It says, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. They were so close and around him. And a woman was there who had been been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. I think other this story and other gospels even go into saying that she had tried all these different remedies and ways to fix fix this. She was tired of trying and so she finally gave up and said, you know what, I'm going to take it to Jesus and I'm going to see if he's the answer. Whenever Jesus says, who touched my robe? And they're like, are you kidding Jesus? There's tons of people all around you. you. Tons of people touched your cloak. But she said, the woman finally comes up and seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace or go in wholeness, go in completeness. This is the model that Agur shows and that we're, is available to all of us. We come to the place of admitting that that's it. We can't keep trying anymore. we were unable to, to find it ourselves. We turn to Christ and say, I believe you're the only place, the only source of where true wisdom can come from. And then Jesus says, you came to the right place. I'm glad you admitted that you can't do this anymore. I'm glad you admitted that true good life and wisdom comes from me. Because of that faith, go in wholeness and completeness and fullness. The other story or letter that I think is worthwhile is reading from Paul in Romans 7. There's a lot more to this, but I'll just stick with these verses. But when Paul says... What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He's just saying, I'm pretty hopeless. I'm helpless. And then his next words are, But thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is coming first to that place of our inability to find the good life and find wisdom ourselves that we are next able to turn and say, But thanks be to God. Thanks be to Jesus Christ. Proverbs defines wisdom and the good life as dependent on a personal personal relationship with God. The New Testament defines wisdom as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who is God in flesh. That is the question that I repeated over and over and over when we were going through the Gospel of John series. The sheep know my name and i know their name and when i call to them they will hear my voice and respond and so the question over and over in john is do you know jesus do you have a relationship with the shepherd i don't care what all the pharisees and all these other people have defined as being religious defined as being saved defined as john throws all those out the window and says do you know jesus because if you do then you know where true wisdom comes from and you know that Only through Jesus and true wisdom can you find the good life, not through anything that you've done. And so Agur declares that he is too stupid to be called a human, yet it is here that he displays his true wisdom. In his humble awareness of his inability to find wisdom, he finds it in God alone. In his weakness, God reveals his strength. In his uh, incompetentness, God is competent. He transforms his life by giving up on finding truth and wisdom himself and instead focuses on knowing God. And in that choice, he does find true wisdom and true life. And so here's, here's where I want to land the plane and, and then I'll be done. If any of you think you've got life all figured out, you have come to the wrong church. You've come to the wrong faith. Because we see over and over in Scripture... Only at the place where you come surrendered to the fact that we can't do it ourselves are you able to actually find the true life. And it is in that irony and in that paradox that we have to wrestle with as Christians every day. Oh, well, I've got this all figured out. Then you surely don't. But the second you come to a place where you say, I am a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what the sinner says, the blind man says on the side of the road. Only when you come to that place are you able to receive the truth and wisdom that comes from Christ. Because if you haven't come to that place, then you don't know just how much you're in need of God's grace. You don't know just how, for lack of a better word, how stupid you are. But when you find wisdom and truth from God, it looks like abandoning any hope of you knowing what true wisdom looks like and saying, but I know where I can find this truth, where I can find this wisdom. So if any of you... Are just intrigued and you're listening and you're listening online or here and you're just like i i feel like i spend all my time wondering is this what life is about is it just about getting a paycheck monday through friday doing the laundry and being stressed all the time because i keep doing that and it doesn't seem to be working is there actually a good life out there is there more to this life out there if you're asking those questions you're at the right place because we'll all tell you none of us have it figured out but we do know That it is only through our pursuit of a relationship with Christ and with God that we're able to find that good life. I'd encourage you, if you want to know more about that, you can come now. And if any of you have any prayer requests, to come as we stand and sing this song.